What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Larry. So in tonight's episode, I'm going to give a preview of the 2023-2024 Northeastern Hockey season. I'm going to be joined by the Northeastern University Hockey Superfan, Peter Amara, Music Box Pete on Spotify. Go check out his podcast. He does great work. He's been very dedicated to his podcast for some years now. Go and check it out. Has a whole podcast on music. Respect to him. Biggest Northeastern hockey fan I know. And then we're also going to have the legend Mark Walsh come on. Go check out his music on Spotify. He's got multiple songs on Spotify, including a hit called Time Zone. He has two other songs on there as well, Thinking Too, and also Reappear. Check out his music. He's going to have new music coming out soon. And hopefully I'll be able to ask him about that tonight. But in tonight's episode, I'm going to give a preview of the Northeastern hockey season with them. So give me just one second. I'm going to get them on, and hopefully you guys enjoy it. Thank you. So here we are live. We got Mark Walsh, Peter Amara. How are we doing, boys? Doing awesome. How are you doing, buddy? Doing, doing great. great. Great hearing your voice. Mark, how are we doing? Doing good. It's nice to be on. Much appreciate you guys taking the time. Two of the biggest Northeastern hockey fans I know. Probably the two biggest, I'd say, I've ever met in my life. Right here. Yeah, hey, I got the background. The right right the, uh, back from my banner. So. I see it. I see it. Hey, it's got the bean pots on there. Uh, yeah, um, awesome. yeah. This, this is the uh, hockey champions. This is from uh, 2019. There we go. That was a great season. It was, yeah, yeah. You were there for that one. Yeah. I was, I was. I didn't miss too many games from like 2019 to now. I didn't miss many games. So just like you, though, you've been a season ticket holder for years now. Yep, for about this will be my, I think fifth or sixth year. Yeah, which I love. That's dedication. Obviously, you've been going to yeah, a lot of games. You know you, you've been there through the Adam Gaudet days, Tyler Madden days, and then obviously oh, Aiden McDonough days. You went through best everything. Times of my life. Yeah, Devin mm-hmm. Levi, of course. So. We'll dive in. We'll talk about some of the guys that are leaving. Obviously, it was a big a big amount of you know losses considering they lost Devin Levi, Aiden yep. McDonough, and then Jaden yep. Struble. Oh, so you lose not only your best offensive player in Aiden McDonough, your best defensive player in Struble. You obviously lose Devin Levi, so the best goalie in college hockey. What is Northeastern going to do to try to recover? I know they have a lot of guys coming in, but when you lose a guy like Devin Levi, it's, it's hard to replace, which I know, Mark, you're the biggest Devin Levi fan I know. Hard to replace the guy. I mean, the simplest answer is you can't, you know. Uh, you have a goalie like that who is standing on his head. Um, but I think, you know, if the rest of the team can play good in front of, um, you know, whoever they decide to start as the year progresses, because, you know, things might change. We saw um, your your boy, TJ Stemptonfeller, to come in. Yep. What was that, a couple years, a couple seasons ago now? Two years now. Just crazy to think about. Um, but, you know, you, you never know who the hot hand is going to be. Um but yeah, it's 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 impossible to replace a guy who's you know Richard Award winner probably, you know should have been Hobie everything else. Um, but I'm I'm excited. It's it's kind of a new beginning almost. Um, it's kind of a new beginning, and I think you know if the defensive structure can hold up, um, you know obviously lost a lot of guys in the back end, then then I think we could be in for a good season. Hundred percent. Yeah. If I I did give you guys some notes of the stats, so I'm looking at it now. I did mess up. I said nine forty seven win percentage for Levi. It's really nine forty seven save percentage. But regardless, I don't know how you replace a guy like that who's just so consistent. And I know obviously, Pete. I mean, you've seen a good amount of goalies now for Northeastern. You saw Levi. You saw Caden Primo. You saw Connor Murphy. You saw a good amount of different goalies. There's yeah. no Devin Levi though. Besides Devin Levi, there's no Devin Levi. There really isn't, and I think, you know, back to what, like, Mark was saying, I mean, you can't really replace him. I mean, you know, going back to last year, I was looking at Harrison Chesney and uh, Grant Riley, the, the backup goaltenders, which one of them is going to do it? So now, 
I mean, looking at now with, uh, I guess it's going to be Cameron Whitehead. That's going to be the uh, the favorite to start a goalie. That's what it looks like. See, yeah, I'll be interested to see what he does. And because um, at first I thought it was be like a platoon that they're going to platoon different ones, but see so um and also the other guy, Connor Hawkins uh, from Yale. So, but it, uh, his stats aren't as good though as um, uh, Whitehead's though. So I think. You know, with Whitehead, the freshman, you might as well give him a start and, and see how that works out. It'll, it'll definitely be an, an interesting look. Definitely. He's another Ontario kid, which we know about these hockey. They love getting kids from Ontario. If you look at it over the years, it seems like every kid is from Ontario if you get a Canadian kid on the Northeastern team. So, obviously, they recruit very well there. We've had a lot of luck there. The Jacksons, obviously, uh, the Ritzkovians now, too. More Canadian kids. Northeastern loves recruitment in Canada. It has worked. India's has passed. Hopefully, Whitehead is just another great Northeastern hockey player mm-hmm. from Canada. But, yeah, Whitehead was great last year. I mean, he was playing in the USHL. Was a third-team All-Star. <laughs> 74 games in the USHL. 41-23-6 record. Six shutouts. 899 save percentage. So, we'll see what the case may be with him. And, like you said, he'll be probably competing for that starting job with the newcomer coming in, Connor Hopkins, which, as you would say, as you said, I mean, the stats didn't look great from him at Yale. I never saw him play, but looking just pure at the stats, I would imagine Whitehead probably would be the better goalie. But if you get a veteran goalie transferring in, typically they transfer knowing that they're going to play in their last year. So I'm not sure what the case may be, but Whitehead seems like the better prospect, and also an NHL draft pick as well. So we'll see what the case may be there. But if you look at, so we're talking goalies, now go over to the scoring. Northeastern lost a lot of talent in their scoring. Aiden uh-huh. McDonough, Sam Colangelo, Yakov Novak, Jack Hughes. How do you replace guys like that? Which, replacing Devin Levi is impossible, right? I, I don't think there's ever going to be another goalie in Northeastern history no. that's as talented as Devin Levi is. But it's scoring. Right oh, now, absolutely. Yeah. Which we'll get into DeMont Rushmore at the end of it. Okay. We'll name like three or four guys. <laughs> we'll do that at the end just for fun superlative. But when you're replacing scoring, it's hard to get just one guy that can replace that scoring of Aiden McDonough, but you can get two or three guys that can split up the production. Like we saw last year, some guys did step up in some big moments. I think that's going to be what Northeastern's form is going to be this year. I don't think they would have a 25-30 goal scorer this year like they had in years past. I think probably they'll have a couple like 20-ish goal scorers this season. I don't think there will be a 30, but what's the biggest loss in this Northeastern team from last season? Is it McDonough? Obviously, besides Levi, we'll leave Levi out. Probably McDonough, right, is the biggest loss, I'd say. And you guys' opinions? I'll let Mark answer that first. What do you think yeah, the biggest yeah. loss is? I think so. I mean, I think the leadership, you know, local homegrown talent and whatnot, um, definitely, you know, em- embodied what it was to be a Husky. Um, you know, always one of the leading goal scorers, uh, so consistent. Um, and just so many big moments as well. And I think, like you said, you're not going to have the guys who are scoring 25-30. You know, McDonough's gone. Yeah. It's going to be like almost like a platoon except for forwards where I, I hope that, you know, guys in every line start, start picking in more, start, um, you know, get it in the score sheet because I think that's what's, that's what it's going to take. You know, you look at like the Bruins last season where Pasternak had like 115 or maybe even more points. Um, and, you know, so many goals that he had 60 something. Mm-hmm. There were so many other guys in that team who came in the lineup and were contributing day after day. Um, you know, whether it was injuries or guys who came in through trade and, you know, you didn't see anyone who was just sticking out like, wow, a hundred something points, you know, um, it's not like it wasn't like a McDavid situation where a couple guys are getting all the points, you know, mm-hmm. um, him and Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins are the hundred last year. I think it's going to have to be, you know, the whole team, all the depth <laughs> defensively guys stepping up, making plays, um, you know, getting active, um, you know, trying to get in the score sheet, all those kinds of things, I think, 
um, you know, is what's going to contribute to to them having a good season. Definitely. If you look at McDonough's stats last year, 20 goals, which was number one on the team. He had the capability, though, of scoring 25-30 in any given year. I don't think Northeastern has that firepower with an individual guy right now on this team. That's the thing. He only had 20 last year, but it felt like he probably had more. I know he did cool off, you know, at the midway point of the season when Northeastern lost that, you know, 7 of 10 games, whatever it was. The whole team was struggling to score, and obviously defense was a big issue. But we don't really have that one guy. I don't think that's capable of scoring 25, but there could be a couple guys that can contribute, you know, 15, 20 goals. Uh, Chupani obviously had a great season last year. I know, Pete, you're a big fan of him. Oh, I love Chupani. Well, hear your thoughts on Chups. Yeah. I mean, he really heated up last season. We needed it, too. Absolutely, and I think this is definitely be a breakout year uh, for Chiefs, most definitely. I mean, just, you know, especially, you know, starting out um, with Hockey East this year, and, you know, I, I guess BU is now the favorite in Hockey East uh, uh, coming up this year. I think with um, with Chiefs, I think he can really, you know, emerge as sort of that veteran leadership. I, I know Raconian, you know, was the captain this year, but I think with Chiefs, I think Chiefs can definitely make a name for himself, and I think he's not going to reach, you know, Aiden McDonough's goal levels, but at least... I think it's going to be a lot more divided in terms of like the uh, amounts of goals and assists throughout. And I definitely think uh, some of the young guys will be looking up to him for sure. You know, some of the freshmen that come in and some of the transfers will definitely be looking up shoots and sort of that veteran leadership in the core. It's really uh, burgeoning, blossoming to something special right now because I can definitely feel it. Definitely, yeah. That young core is really being built around right now. Justin Ritz-Covey, obviously being the captain. The team's building around him on offense. But you have some other side pieces. Gunnar Wolf-Fontaine, Cam Lund, I know all three of us are a big fan of. Cam Lund, I think, is going to be the breakout guy. They need him to be the breakout guy. They need that, for sure. Considering the talent he has, he has the capability of giving you 15, 20 goals. He got very cold. You know, after last season, he had a big game against B.C., they need a big cold stretch. B- BC was a big game for him. I thought that was going to be the big breakout game, which it was a breakout game, but I thought it was going to be a breakout season, and then he kind of cooled off. I think they need consistency from him, which that's something you can get. I mean, he was only a young kid, just a freshman last year, but in my eyes, I know all three of us have gone to a lot of games for Northeastern. I think Cam Lund's probably the purest skater I've seen on Northeastern hockey. Purest speed, which Tyler Madden was a jet. Uh, they've had a couple other guys, you know, in my day watching them. Uh, you know, back to even Kevin Wobb, you know, years ago, like 10 years ago now. But I would say Cam Lund's the fastest guy, which I know, Pete, you said the same. Lund is probably the fastest guy you've seen for Northeastern hockey. Well, I remember, Joey, when you were at, um, you were with me at one of the games last year, and I was making a remark about how fast uh, Cam Lund was. Within, I, I would say, within not even a second, he was down at the other end of the ice, and I think he scored a goal. I forget who it was against. Yes. But, his speed was absolutely electric off the charts, and he's definitely faster than Tyler Manner. Like he really has that almost like that potential to just really go at it at different ends of the ice and just really light it up from literally anywhere. And 100%. I was just I was just in complete awe. That's that was sort of the breakup uh, for me. It was sort of the breakout part for him. And I was just like this this kid's something special. Oh, one hundred percent. I mean, you see the talent, you know. And even though it was inconsistency, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of you know a lot of the teams actually inconsistent offensively last year. Even though we had a very good season <laughs> overall, like obviously we didn't get to where we wanted to get to. I thought we could have won a national championship with the talent talent we had, but the offense was very inconsistent at times. We had some stretches when nobody was scoring, but you always saw the ability that they could take over and win games against you know great teams. You saw them win the Bean Pot. They took down two of the best teams in the country. You know, in, in that run there, absolutely. You know, taking down Harvard and BU. That's not very you know easy. That's a tough test. Two of the best teams they had to go up against, you know? So, at the end of the day, I think if you look at this Northeastern team, it's going to be different than in years past. That's one thing. But at the same time, the talent is there. I know they're ranked 19th in the country. The Hawk East is really good this year. BU, like you mentioned, Pete, number one team in the country coming in. Merrimack's going to be very good. There's some other teams that are probably above Northeastern, you know, in the rankings. But 
regardless, I think Northeast has the capability of, of being a top team in the Hockey East. I just think it's going to be a tough year considering there's a lot of teams that are going to be in that middle gap in the Hockey East. UConn, uh, Providence, UMass Lowell, Northeast. I think they're on a very similar position in the Hockey East, which I don't know how you guys feel about where the Hockey East stands. I think BC is going to be very good. They'll probably be above Northeast, I'd imagine, on the year, especially how much offense they're going to have coming in, you know, in their incoming class. But what do you think the main thing Northeast has to do better this year? Obviously, last year we had the talent to win, we just didn't. This year, it's a much different team. So expectations are a little bit lower. What's one part of the game you think has to step up? Is it the offense? Is it the defense? I'll, I'll answer first. I think goaltending is going to be the biggest drop-off, obviously, with Devin Levi being gone. I think the defense, the defensemen have to step up. Braden Dolly might be that guy that makes a big step this year up. They lost Jeremy Bush, though. They lost Ty Spot. They obviously lost Jaden Struble. There's a lot of guys that are gone on that defense. So I think defense is going to be the main part of this team that has to step up. What about you, Mark? We'll start with you. What part of the team do you think that step up the most? Whether it's a full win or... I, I'm going to take the other side of it. I'm going to say it's the offense. And because I, I look at past big games that they've had, and it felt like they, they've needed Levi, or even in some cases, if you go back two years, when I think they had an even better roster, um, you know, with Harris in the back end, was Seppenfelter bailed them out some games. You know, 100%. Where, where there were games, it, it just looked like, you know, they, they might have, um, you know, they, they needed to get bailed out in order to win. Um, and I think if they could have that more consistent scoring, you know, if they could get up and they could stay up, I think staying up might not be as much as a problem as, you know, these guys, you know, continuously contributing to the score sheet. Definitely. No, you're right about that. The reason why I went defense was because they, I think the Hockey East, especially the teams that are above Northeastern, <clears throat> Merrimack, BU, BC, going to be a lot of offense. So I think Northeastern's defense has to step up, have to try to identify that as, yep. you know, their main strong suit. What about you, Pete? What, do you, what part of the game do you think Northeast has to step up in most this year? You'll be the tiebreaker. <laughs> yeah, you'll be the tiebreaker. So you've got offense, you've got defense. You'll be the tiebreaker, exactly. I think for me, it's the uh, discipline. And I think one thing, there one you thing go. I want to point to, yeah, uh, at BC, at Connie Forum, I think, I think this is last year. I, I, I may be wrong about this, but I may be right. I, I think it was Struble. I'm trying to remember committed unnecessary penalty. I, I forget who it was, but I think there was a lot of unnecessary penalties that, and this is why I think contributed to their downfall, especially the non-conference games that they lost. What was their two and seven stretch? Yeah, two and seven stretch games. in that nine-game stretch between November 12th and January 1st, losing to Bentley, Sacred Heart Union. All of that was obviously a killer in the pairwise. I think it's that discipline that I saw at Connie Form that really contributes to their downfall greatly, and it just it really made me shake hands. Like I don't think we're gonna get out of this rut, and I think we started getting out of the rut at, at the Frozen Family game when the UConn. Uh, uh, that was the so turnaround think, game. Yeah, you're right. It's yeah, a big 100%, turnaround. 100%. I think I think I think with that game at BC though was. Uh, I think it was the, probably too little too late at, at that point. I mean, there was a little glimmer of hope there in the bean pot, but I think just that was sort of um, that was sort of like the warning lights going off, saying you know something's wrong here. So. Definitely, that was the game. Fontaine had like two penalties, like back to back, back to back shifts. Okay. And I remember I was telling you, I was like, dude, how did he get a back to back penalty? You know, one shift already in the penalty box comes back out. Thirty seconds later, he's back in the box again. I remember that game you're talking about, though. Which discipline was a big. Big, uh, you know, stretch, obviously, in that 2-7 and seven stretch. Actually, discipline was a big reason we weren't winning games. Obviously, defense, too. And we played Harvard. We played some teams that were better than us. Harvard was better than us last year. But at the same time, losing to Bentley, Sacred Heart, Union, that can't happen. So, obviously, discipline was a reason we lost, you know, in those games. But you're right. Discipline, I would say, is kind of on the offense and the defense. I guess both ways. Uh, you know, Struble was obviously a defenseman getting penalties. And then the same thing with Fontaine. So, I guess we'll count it as even, Mark, offense and defense being something that has to step up with discipline there. I think that's 
I like it, though. That's a great answer. Because I think if you look at a lot of teams, how many teams are good when they're high in penalties allowed per game? Like, or, you know, that, not many teams are good when you're giving the other team power plays every single game, three or four a game, you know? So that's a great answer. If you want to be a good team, especially in the Hockey East this year, where offense is going to be up heavy considering BU's obviously bringing in a lot of new talent, even though they lost some. BC's going to be really good this year. And then Merrimack's going to be a team that's returning a lot of talent, a lot of goal scoring, and obviously their goalie's back as well. You're right. I think discipline's going to be a big difference maker on this team. If we can find a way to be disciplined and win that power play break, uh, you know, uh, matchup between each game, if we can have less penalties and obviously have more power play opportunities, that would be huge. Last year, one of the issues for the team was the power play. We weren't scoring on the power play in that 2-7 and seven stretch. That was a big, big issue. And even though we had the talent, we weren't really putting it all together. And that's why one thing I was saying at the beginning, I feel the offense has to step up, but I went with the defense just because I think the way the Hockey East is going to stand out this year, I think you're going to have to be able to find a way to limit, you know, goals allowed per game. So I think to win a lot of games, the Hockey East this year, you're probably going to have to score four goals, especially against those teams I mentioned, you know, the top three, Merrimack, BC, BU. Uh, but if we're looking at guys that are coming in, so we have incoming freshmen, uh, which we'll name a few here just to name a couple. We already talked about Cameron Whitehead, Dylan Retzkovian, Justin Retzkovian's brother. He's coming in. Kid from Quebec, played with Cedar Rapids. I like his stats. I haven't seen him play at all, but I looked at his stats. 26 goals, 43 assists, 69 points in 65 games in the USHL. He's the guy that's going to stand out right away. They have a lot of incoming freshmen that I think, if you look at this class, I don't remember the last time we had six or seven or eight freshmen coming in, especially all these guys are going to be contributing right away considering how much talent they lost last year. Is there one guy, in you guys' opinion, that's one guy that stands out most to you? Which Whitehead we already talked about. It could be Whitehead. It could be anybody else. But is there one individual guy that stands out most? And it could also be a transfer. It could be a guy coming in that's not a freshman. Which I can give mine if you want. Which I, we already talked about Cameron Whitehead, so I won't say him considering we already talked about him. But Alexander Campbell coming in. He's now a senior, so his last year of eligibility. Look at his stats from last year when he was on Clarkson. 14 goals, 11 assists, 25 points. That's one thing Northeastern's missing this year is a high goal score. So they're going to need a couple guys that can score 15 goals just trying to make up for that big 25 goal score since you don't really have that capability, I don't think, on this year's team. I think if Justin Ritz-Covey wanted to be that guy, I think he could be. But I think he's more facilitated than he is a shot taker. So I think he could be a 25 goal score if he wanted to be. But he's going to be more of the assist guy, I think, on this offense. But I would say him. I think he is the guy that stands up most to me, Campbell. I haven't seen any film of him. Just looking at his stats, and I read about him a little on the Northeastern Hockey blog. He's going to have a big role in the offense this year. So I'm going to go with him as the newcomer that is the guy that stands up most. You guys can go with him or anyone different, whatever it may be. We'll start with you, Pete, if you have a guy. Uh, one guy that really stands out is uh, Billy Norcross. That, that's one guy that definitely stands out to me. Sort of that um, he's a, a freshman forward from Lynn. I'm trying to remember if he went to Cushing Academy. He did go to local school. You're right. Which I didn't write that, but let me go look. I'll, I'll go check it out. But you're right. I'm, I'm pretty sure he did. He's definitely one one to watch because he's definitely a name that really you know sticks out to me you know immensely. Really seeing him, I think with with all the other guys, I haven't had time to look at the other ones, but I think Norcross definitely I think has the most potential. Just you know, he seems to have you know a good eye for the puck, and I, I think just you know him, he really has that special X factor that really sticks out immensely too. So I think he's going to fit in well. He's definitely one I'll be keeping an eye on this year. You nailed it. Hey, Cushing Academy last year in a senior year, 11 goals, 20 assists, 31 points. And he did that all in 26 games. Look at you. You got the Cushing Academy down. I like yeah. it. You knew your stuff there. All right, Mark, what do you got? Uh, I'm going to go with the captain's brother. I'm going to go with Dylan Riscovian. I um, like it. I think, I think that's an underrated guy. I think, you know, him stepping in, you know, with, 
with Justin, I think that's going to be a duo that, you know, even if they play together, they don't. Um, I think that's going to be one that really boosts the team. If he plays anything like his brother, I haven't gotten to watch um, any of his games, um, obviously up until this point. But the stats, you know, speak for themselves. Um, and I think, you know, any team can use a guy like that. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping that he's, he's one of those guys that can really help round out the scoring on this team. Definitely, which I met. Uh, Madigan, Coach Madigan, I saw it in a Northeastern baseball game. This was two years ago now, so it was like, I think it was just about May of 2022, so, you know, going on two years, and it might have been uh, March or April. It was, it was some point in baseball season, anyways, between BC and Northeastern. It was the bean pot, so it was probably like April. Anyways, and I talked to him, and I was talking about that, that class, which Ritzkovian's brother was included in. He was saying he thought he was going to be an impact player right away. And this was before we knew he was going to come this year. We, I think he was supposed to come last year, but I think he played in the USHL, so he skipped a year. But he was a guy that was that he thought was going to be an impact player right away, and that was, I believe, supposed to be last season. <clears throat> so now, considering he had a year in the USHL, obviously another year under of his belt for experience, he could step in right away and be an impact guy. And considering they lost all the offense... They're going to need somebody to step up. And obviously, Cam Lund is going to be a guy that's going to have to take a big role. But if you have a guy that's a freshman coming in that can make an impact right away, that's obviously going to be huge. So I like that answer. I like all three of our answers. Three different answers, three different players, three different guys that bring different factors. Obviously, Northeastern's going to need uh, this season. How do you guys feel, though, about Jack Hughes deciding to transfer to BU and stay in the Hockey East, which was devastating as Northeastern fans. But how did you guys feel about that move? I was shocked when, when I heard it. I actually texted you, Joey, like the moment I heard about it. I'm like, wait, did I read this right? Like, he's going to be you. Out of all the schools, he had to go to one within Hockey East. I, I was floored and stunned by it. I mean, I, I don't know what it was, whether it was just, you know, his stats, like, didn't light up or something. I, I think that might have contributed to it, or he thought he could, you know, play with uh, other players that are more on his level, maybe. I don't know what the reason uh, was for his departure, but that, that really threw, threw me for a loop. But I, I was stunned and floored when I heard that. I, I, I just couldn't believe it. Still 100%. Yeah, I couldn't believe it either. Maybe it was playing time, which at the end of the day, he was still on the second or third line for most of the games last year. I think after his freshman year, he was very good. You know, obviously he was inconsistent, which he was young, yeah, he was, though. He was 5'11 and 16 last year. So. Exactly, yeah. So, I mean, it was a downgrade from his freshman year when he had seven goals. But I think the main thing with him was I think he thought going from his freshman to sophomore, he was going to get a bigger role in the offense, but he kind of stayed in the same role. But you can't mm-hmm. demote Justin Ritzkovian. Matt Demel is yeah. still obviously a very good center as well. So, there's some guys above him, and I think that's maybe one thing he got mad about. And maybe with his brother leaving, he just wanted out as well. But what what did you think of it, Mark? I I definitely didn't take it well. I mean, you go to the doghouse, right, and you see the signs that say, you know, the better Jack Hughes. And, you know, he felt like he was one of those guys that, you know, a lot of the, the, the real Huskies fans were really behind. You know, he was a sought-after draft pick in the NHL draft. I wanted him to go to Boston, you know. Um, they need done a depth in the NHL, but that's a different discussion. Um, and, you know, it just felt like, you know, it, it almost felt like his time in Northeastern court, you know, because he had his freshman year to kind of round out his game. And, and you know, he's playing behind guys with more veterans and um, last year. And you're hoping, you know, maybe this season, right, he steps in and he'd really have that bigger role. Um, but he's not going to be there for that. He'll be at BU. Um, and so we'll see him on the other end of the ice, and you know that'll be that'll be an interesting one to watch at the bean pot. One hundred percent. I'm excited. Hopefully, we're able to beat him. And we've won four of the last five bean pots. Obviously, winning last year as well. So the program, at least, even though he is obviously with him leaving, it's tough. But at least we know we've been able to be you know one of the best teams in the bean pot over the last five years. So no matter who's on our team, we've found ways to win. But it's obviously tough with the guy going just across you know Comav 
in, in playing for BU. It's just tough. It's tough to see. You know, it's not what, what, what we wanted, but I thought he was going to go to the Midwest. There were a lot of teams, reports that wanted him in the Midwest. I don't know if it was Minnesota or Minnesota State, but there were teams there that wanted him. Maybe Michigan. I don't know what it may be, but there were teams in the Midwest that wanted him, and he ends up choosing to go to BU. So, sad to see. I mean, what can you do at the end of the day? We lost... Uh, Sam Colangelo as well, which you guys know. I'm a big Colangelo guy. I know you guys Go as well. Colangelo, you're right. I mean, he was the man. Yep. It's tough to see him gone, but what did you guys see in his game last year? He was a very streaky player at Northeastern, but was it the inconsistency the reason why he left? I think he left maybe because he was upset he wasn't the captain. With obviously Ritz Coven getting it over him, I think that maybe was the deciding factor of him leaving. But that's just a complete guess, and obviously I don't really know what's going on there and what's going on in the locker room, but I felt like he was leaving since he didn't get the captain role. What did you guys take on that uh, with Colangelo decide to leave for Western Michigan? I I think with uh, Sam, I think one thing that just really struck me was just like you said, like he, he was he was very streaky. Like like in the beginning, I started that you know on the ice too, and he definitely had, he definitely lit up on the score sheet. But I think there was there was just something where he seemed kind of ticked off, and I couldn't really I could kind of see it in his body language, and he, like he said, him being upset not being the captain. I think that probably contributed to it, and maybe he was kind of mailing it in, I guess, or, or just like you know what, I'm going to shut it down. You know, I don't have a role here. Maybe I will look somewhere else. And again, that's just a guess. I mean, I can't really get inside his head, but I think that's what probably contributed to it. 100%. I think part of the reason guys always leave is because they want a bigger role in the offense. And maybe he felt he wasn't having, wasn't having as big of a role last season. But, I mean, he was still fourth in points last season, nine goals. I think we expected more from him last season considering how good of a shot he has. I mean, he has an NHL shot already. I mean, we saw it at games when he was just nipping top shelf. There was no room for him to even get it over the goalie's shoulder, especially that goal against BC. It was two years ago now, so uh, it was my junior at BC. We were all at the game. And he had a shot right over uh, Eric Dopp's shoulder, which there which was no room down the ice. And I remember after the game, me and Mark Sarum getting on the bus. We were like, dude, that goal was unreal. Like, there was no room. There was no room. I think we just expected more from him, you know, offensively. And he was a streaky player. I do wish him well, though. I know you guys are big fans of him as well. So we, we wish him nothing but the best at Western mm-hmm. Michigan. We just wish things ended a little better here with him. I wish he stayed. But what do you think of his move, Mark? Do you think it was maybe playing time? Do you think he was one he wanted to be? on a better team since Western Michigan is, you know, one of the top teams in the country, which are these still ranked 19th, but Western Michigan, I believe, is higher in the rankings. They did beat Northeastern last year as well. Uh, what was your take on it, Mark? So I, I think, you know, like you guys both described, he was a streaky player, but, you know, I think he has that goal-scoring touch when it is there, um, you know, better better than most guys at, at the college level. Um, but I think it, it might just boil down to, you know, maybe he needed this change of scenery. Um, you know, like you said, obviously we can't speak for them and whatnot. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of guys where, you know, they kind of just lose their touch and, and um, feel like maybe a change of scenery is the best option to kind of get back to, you know, feeling like themselves again and, uh, you know, being being at the top of their game. Um, you know, obviously wishing nothing but the best. Um, I think, you know, obviously there's there's big days ahead for him um, and, you know, the rest of the former Huskies that, that we've talked about tonight. Um and yeah, I, I mean, in my mind, I think that's what it might boil down to. So, so I mean, we'll see. You know, hopefully, he can kind of, you know, get back that scoring touch and, and you know, get back to his game in, in ways that maybe you know it, it couldn't have just happened here. Definitely, yeah. I think I think you're right about that. I think it was probably just a change in scenery. Maybe some guys <laughs> typically want that, get different eyes on them. He's already a drafted, you know, a, a pick. He's already, you know, already got an NHL contract waiting for him when he does decide to ultimately take the next jump. But sometimes you want a different look on you, being a different role in a different offense. 
Sometimes at the end of the day, you might want to be on a different team. Maybe you didn't think Northeastern was going to be the team they were the last few years heading into this year, which I still think Northeastern is going to be a good team. I just think the Hockey East did get better around them, and they have a lot younger of a team than years past. And I think if Devin Levi was still the goalie, I would have the expectations that they'd still win the Hockey East this year. But considering there's a lot of teams, I think, in their range in the Hockey East, in the middle of the pack, and then you have two or three teams that are above, maybe he saw that and he said, you know, this team isn't going to be the same. I'll go jump and try to, you know, win somewhere else my senior year. That might have driven into it, which I think all of us, when Devin Levi went back for his junior year, I think we all had expectations Northeastern could win the whole entire thing and win the Frozen Four tournament. You know, all of us felt that way last season. When you have Aiden McDonald, one of the best goal scorers in the country, and you have a very good defense, which Northeastern, their defensemen over the last few years were very consistent and very good. Jordan Harris being one of them, uh, which we'll get to the Mount Rushmore. I'm sure Harris will be on one of our, you know, Mount Rushmores. Uh, but Northeast was consistent on both sides of the puck over the last few seasons. And part of the reason was they had a lot of veterans. And maybe Calendro saw this team getting younger and didn't think it would be the same team. Which, like Mark said, we can't speak from. But maybe it was a playing time thing. That that probably could play into it as well. But we wish him nothing but the best, obviously. And the same goes for the other guys that are transferring. You know, Jakob Novak jumping up to the AHL. Now he's going to be playing for uh, the Laval Rockets. So he's getting a chance to play in the AHL with Canadians uh, AHL squad. So... Uh, just building to that Northeastern uh, Canadians uh, group there between yep. Primo and Struble and yep. Jordan Harris. And obviously you got him there as well. So, And then you've got uh, St. Louis and then you've got Kent Hughes. So it really is just the Northeastern Canadians uh, up there in Montreal. But of the guys that are returning, which one of the main questions I had is, which player do you think is going to take the biggest step up? Which I think Rich Coven's going to be the best player on the team. I think we'd all probably agree on that. <laughs> Which player stands out in your eyes as the guy that's going to take a step up this year? It could be Cam Lund. It could be Liam Walsh. It could be Fontaine. Uh, it could be any of those guys listed. It could be any of the guys I didn't list as well. Who do you think takes the biggest step up this season? In my eyes, who I think should be the biggest step up, I think should be Cam Lund. Considering how much talent he has, mm-hmm. we know what he can do when he's on. I would say Cam Lund is that guy that takes the biggest step up. Whether or not he does take that step up, I mean, we know he has the talent. But I think, I'm not really sure what the lines are going to look like this year. I don't know if he's going to be a first line or a second line. Maybe that could contribute to how much production he has. But I'm going to go with Lund as my guy that takes the biggest step up this season. I know Chupani could be the guy. I know, Pete, you're probably going there. But I'll go with Lund. What about you, Pete? Um, I, You know what? I'm going to go with Shoots. I'm going to go all in. Because, you know, Shoots has been my boy from, like, here on out. Like, the minute I start on the ice, I think he's definitely going to take the biggest step. I, I was leaning towards Fontaine a little bit, but I think Shoots definitely, you know, has, like, the biggest potential to, like, like break out. I think what, what he does well, he's very skilled on the ice, though, and he's very crafty with the way he handles the pucks. You know, I've seen, and I definitely saw some of that improvement last year from, like, the beginning to, like, towards the end, where I think he started, like, breakthrough a lot more in the uh, stat sheet. So I think, I definitely think Chiefs is going to break big uh, this year in 23. 100%. Yeah, 10 goals, 9 assists, 19 points last season. You yeah. were right about him because before he even broke out last season, you were saying you saw talent for him to be that, that, that guy that takes another step up. And this was midseason last year. Before he really broke out in the second half of the season, you were saying you liked what you saw from him even though he wasn't getting the goals. The shots were all quality shots. You liked what you saw obviously defensively as well. And he hustles. That's one thing I love in every sport. I always love guys that hustle. Chups is always hustling when he's on the ice. So I like that pick there. What about you, Mark? What do you got? So I'm going to go with someone that might not really fall into, you know, like a 
most improved kind of category, but I, or even, you know, having a much bigger role in this team. But I'm going to go with Hunter McDonald. You know, he's coming off of a season where he's a very, very strong defensive defenseman. I think he was defenseman, defensive defenseman of the year in the hockey. He was. Um, but, you know, without, without Struble and, you know, a, a couple other key pieces leaving our defense, I think he's going to have to be that guy now. You know, he's going to have to be penalty kill. Um, you know, like he's going to have to come in, you know, I don't know if they'll have him extensively in power play minutes and whatnot. Uh, they like to run, you know, four forwards and one defenseman sometimes. Um, but, you know, he's going to have to eat minutes and he's going to have to play strong in the corners. He's going to have to, you know, go against every other team's top lines most nights. Um, and I think, you know, if he steps up, I think that the, the back end will, will hold strong. Um, and I think, you know, I think fly is draft pick he is right now. Um, I think he's one of those guys that, you know, the, the coaching staff would probably have a lot of faith in going into next season. Definitely, yeah. He was a guy that stood out right away last season, which I went into last year thinking he'd have a good role. I thought he'd maybe be the third-line D, but he was either consistently the first or second-line D pairing all season. And obviously you see why. Definitely. Big guy, very good in the power play, which on the penalty kill, I should say. Very good in the penalty kill, which Northeastern over the years, that's something they always thrived in, was penalty kill. The PK was always great when you had Jordan Harris out there. I mean, we always felt so comfortable with him on the ice. And Hunter McDonald could be that guy that we feel comfortable with when we see him out there. When Northeast needs somebody to take control in the PK, maybe it's McDonald. We also saw some talent as well. Even though he didn't really take too many shots, he scored a goal or two last season. Uh, and we saw some talent, you know, on that part of the uh, of the ice as well. But it was really more of his defense and the reason why he was a big role in the team last season. Like you said, they lost Struble, Bushler, Spot. Somebody has to step up on defense. I think Braden Doyle could be that guy with them as the first D pairing. And I like... What Pete said, you were going to go with Fontaine. Fontaine averaged just about one point per game last season. I think Northeastern has to have him around one and a half points per game. Considering they're not that number one guy, which I think Ritz Coven's going to be the best piece. I think he's going to be the best player offensively. But scoring-wise, Northeastern needs a guy that's going to you know get higher in goals. Fontaine probably has to be that guy. So I think that would have been a good bet as well. So I like all of our picks. I, I think all three guys we went with, and even Fontaine being the fourth, I like all of those options. I think all of us know... This offense is going to, you know, be centered around Fontaine and, and Ritzkovian. So those two guys, a lot of the pressure is going to be on. But I like going with defense, Mark. That's a good pick. I like that. Thank you. That's, that's, that's <laughs> smart. Uh, so we're looking at the schedule here. So they open up <clears throat> Saturday versus Stonehill. We'll see Kim got that back at Northeastern. He'll be playing, you know, Northeastern for the season opener there. So we'll be back at Matthews Arena. We'll look, when looking at the schedule, what is the main game that you're most excited for? Which I'm going to go, I'll probably go with... I'm excited for that tournament, the holiday face-off, when you get to play Wisconsin, Minnesota, Duluth, Air Force as well. But you're playing two very good programs there, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Duluth, especially Duluth. They're always consistently fighting for a national championship. I'd say that's a game I'm most looking forward to. I'd probably say the BC game too, considering you guys know I went to BC. So that rivalry yeah. between BC and Northeastern, I'm always going to be looking forward to those games. So the first week of December, that's going to be a big game to uh, watch out for. But what's the one game that sticks out most to you? We'll start with you, Mark. The main game that you're most excited for it could be the Bean Party even. It doesn't have to be yeah. you know, just an individual game. It could be a tournament if you want. But I well, went with the tournament. I'll let you go. So, I mean, you, I, you definitely took it right out of my mouth. I was going to say, you know, February 5th, that, that first Bean Pot Monday, uh, Harvard versus Northeastern rematch. You know, my twin brother goes to Harvard. Uh, so, you know, those, there's always a lot of animosity between us uh, leading into those games. Um, especially last year with the Bean Pot Final, which was, which was one to remember. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, that's 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 like the one time I feel like you know everyone has marked on their calendars for for one reason or another. Um, you know, bragging rights being a big one, especially in my house between 
Uh, me and my brother, you know, I like to have the bragging rights with Eastern over at Harvard. Mm-hmm. Um, of course. And so that's that's definitely one that I think sticks out a lot. Another reason is, you know, you get a win in the bean pot, who knows what's ahead. I feel like the Frozen Four win really helped turn around the season last year. You know, if the Northeastern Huskies could get another bean pot banner this year. Um, you know, maybe that could spark something going down the run. One hundred percent. Yeah, if you win a bean pot, even just the first game, and you have a game midweek after that, the momentum on the team you obviously see a lot of juice. And they're obviously playing with a lot more fire, which we saw after they won. Who did they play in the first round two years ago? Now I think it was against BC. They beat BC, and then yeah, if I remember right, and then we saw them play against UMass Lowell, which that was the game, Pete, where we reconnected mm-hmm. at that game in between. I remember you know, yeah, the yeah. of the bean pot. So that game there, going into that, I remember they were fired up when we met them that night, Mark. They were asking us if we would go in to the Beanpot Final. I'd say that was probably the turning point in that season, considering they won the mm-hmm. first game you know, for the Beanpot there, which things didn't work out, unfortunately, in the finals last year, in that year. But regardless, winning that game can turn you know a season around, considering how much juice you have and how excited you are. So I, I, I do like that pick, Mark. What about you, Pete? The game you're most looking forward to? I'm actually looking forward to the uh, uh, game against Quinnipiac, against uh, the defending national champs, because one thing I, I always remember about Quinnipiac, Northeastern has never been able to beat them. And, and every match I've been up against, because they're, they're, they they're older, they're a little bit more experienced. Because I was talking to somebody after the, um, it was the um, match, up at, I think it was two years ago, it was the, um, oh, the Icebreaker Tournament yes. at DC Center when, uh, when Northeastern played Quinnipiac, and Quinnipiac absolutely just manhandled them. And I was talking to somebody at the game, just they're older, they're more experienced, they have that veteran leadership, and I just think Northeast. I just really hope Northeastern can beat them uh, this time around. Just really, you know, send a message saying, hey, you know, there's somebody else lurking around the corner. So I, I definitely think that one, because Northeastern has always had a tough time against them, and I just think... Northeastern's definitely primed for a breakout game against Quinnipiac. I like that, though. Obviously, they won the Natty last year, so if you beat them, just like Mark said, winning a Beanpot game, just the first one, can bring momentum to a season. If you beat the reigning national champion, that can bring, obviously, a lot of juice to a season as well. So I like I like our picks there. Uh, the last thing I want to mention uh, when we're talking where Northeastern is relative to other teams, where do you think they finish in the Hockey East this season? Which, in the coaches' poll, it was BU at 1, BC at 2, Merrimack at 3, Northeastern at 4, and then Connecticut at 5, Providence at 6, U.S. Lowell at 7, U.S. Amherst 8, Maine 9, New Hampshire 10, and then Vermont 11. So where I was you know, going earlier, I thought the top three teams in the Hawk East, BU, BC, Merrimack, I think they're in a class of their own. Then they're in that middle pack, Northeastern, UConn, Providence, U.S. Lowell. I think they're all very similar. Uh, but I think Northeastern is the best of those teams. All of them around probably fourth or fifth, maybe even third if we were able to you know, take over Merrimack in the top of the poll. But where do you think they finish relative to the rest of the Hawk East this season? Which... At the end of the day, it doesn't matter where you finish the regular season. Where you finish at the end of the regular season doesn't matter. If you could win the Hockey's tournament, which you've seen in years past, that's all that matters. But where do you think they finish in the regular season? Mark, we'll go with you first. Where do you think they finish? I'm going to go with five in the Hockey East. I know it's somewhat pessimistic. Um, you know, but like you said, there's those top three teams that really stand out. Um, you know, and I can't say I'm as strong on Northeastern as I have been in years past. So I think, you know, if they if they finish, you know, top five, that's I, I think that's realistic, uh, but I think leaving a little buffer room for you know one of those other middle of the pack teams to kind of mm-hmm. go on a go on a run uh, that maybe hasn't <clears throat> in the past. I think I think I think makes sense. Yeah, I like that. I would probably say realistically, I see them finishing at five or six. Best case, probably four. Worst case, like seven. I think between that four and seven range. But if we finish top five, considering how many young guys we have coming in and new pieces, I take that. What about you, Pete? 
I, I think um, fourth, I think, is a reasonable expectation. I just think, like, right in the middle is, like, really where I start uh, heading in. I was thinking, like, five, but I think it's bumped up a notch to four. But I think one thing I've realized about hockey is, you know, studying them over the years and studying, you know, the other teams and since the um, playoff format has changed, it really doesn't matter, like, where you finish in hockey. East. It just matters about winning and advancing, I think. So I think if Northeastern can stay within the top five, I think they'll be in good shape. So I think fourth is definitely a reasonable expectation in my book. I like that. It, it depends on who you're winning and losing against during the season. Like, over the last few years in the Hockey East, we struggled. Remember that game two years ago? It was my junior at PC. If we beat UVM, you know, in that midweek game, which was a makeup game, we would have won. We would have hired the Hockey East. I can't remember if we would have won the Hockey East, which we ended up being, I think, the regular season champ. I can't remember. But regardless, there was that game against UVM midweek that year where we needed that win to try to get up higher in the Hockey East. We lost that game. If we're losing games to the guys at the top, Merrimack, BC, uh, you know, even, you know, uh, like I said, BU as well as another team in there were, Teams that are around us, like UMass, Little Providence, I'm fine with that. But it's the games when we're losing to UNH and UVM. That's obviously the issue right there, which at the end of the day, hopefully we're better against those teams at the bottom. But if we can do our job against the teams at the bottom, we'll be middle of the pack and obviously be right in the mix of things, probably the top five. So I like I like where we all went uh, with that. And now we'll transition, like we talked about at the beginning of the episode, we're going to do a Northeastern Hockey Mount Rushmore. You can take a minute to think about it if you want. Uh, but four guys that come to your mind when you think Northeastern Hockey, the best of the best. I went with, uh, which I already have mine written here, I went with a guy that we saw very recently, then a guy about three or four years ago now, and then a guy about 10 years ago. And then I went with a guy that I didn't even know about. I just read, I looked up some of their stats, uh, and a guy that's very high in their points uh, all time. So I'll give you my four first, and then you guys can think about yours. Surprisingly, Jordan Harris isn't in here, unfortunately. I probably should have him in here, but considering I'm sure Mark has him in, He's going to be one of our four, so I'm going to, I'll have him out of mind, unfortunately. But obviously, you guys know I'm the biggest fan of him. Uh, so I got Devin Levi. Like we all know, Levi was the best college hockey goalie I've ever seen play. The, the plays he made were just ridiculous. And there were a good amount of games over the last few years that Northeastern shouldn't have been in. With any other goalie, we probably would have lost by two or three goals. But he was just making ridiculous plays. Uh, so I'm going to go with Levi at one. Uh, and then Adam Gaudet. You guys know how much I love Adam Gaudet. Honestly, mm-hmm. there was any player in college hockey that was more electric seeing play. It was just an automatic offense every time he was on the ice. And obviously one of the most consistent players for Northeastern in their history. Year in and year out, he was scoring goals, especially in the power play. And that line, Sakura, Stevens, Gaudet, was just ridiculous. I'd say the best college hockey line I've ever seen play in my life. Uh, which, a little bit of bias there. I do admit that is a biased line considering <laughs> how much I okay. love that line. But that line was just electric. And my dad's a big BC hockey fan, so he has his thoughts on who are the best ever. But he agrees that line for Northeastern was just automatic. Which you know, Pete, you were there watching the games. That line was just ridiculous. Uh, so I'm going to go with Gaudet. I'm going to go with Kevin Waugh. He was there about 10 years ago now. Very consistent player. He actually won Hockey East MVP. I uh, know Hockey's MVP. Uh, being part MVP during uh, a tournament where Northeastern lost. They didn't win, but he's ridiculous. They get four goals uh, one year in the tournament. And he ended up winning You know the most outstanding player, regardless of Northeastern not winning. So I have Kevin Warren in there. And then my all-time is Jim Martell, who's a Varsity Club Hall of Famer. 93 goals, 117 assists, 210 points in 110 games. And according to Northeastern's website, one of the most legit scoring machines in hockey history. Uh, ended up finishing uh, with 93 goals, 117 assists, 210 points. The first Husky and only Husky to ever have 200 points in their career and one of five with 100 points, uh, 100 assists. 
So he's my old timer. I didn't know about him until about a couple days ago when I was reading. Uh, so he's my old timer. I had to have somebody in there I didn't know much about. So uh, who wants to go next? You guys can pick between the two of you. Who wants to give their next four? I'll go. I actually just finished my list. So there we go. Um, so uh, right at the top, hands down, the player that's responsible for me having season tickets in the first place, it's Adam Gaudet. So where my seats are in Section 7, right, Section 8, and where Gaudet's family was, the God Squad, that's where, you know, when I saw him on the ice, again, as you said, Joey, he was an auto, Mr. Automatic in terms of offense. Like, the game was never in doubt. You always felt comfortable when he was on the ice. He was just an absolutely machine ice, probably one of the most skilled hockey players I, I, I've ever seen, you know, play live. And, you know, I, I have his autograph, too, on the wall, too, so it's one of my prized possessions there. So, there you go. Yep, so Goddard's number one for me. Uh, number two, Zach Aston Reese. That guy was an absolute machine. Like, like you know, playing on that same line. Like, Aston Reese, Sakura. Like, you know, I still – my. I still, my mind gets boggled. Like I saw those players live, you know, on the same team and on the on the same line. It was Aston Reese was just a phenomenal player, very skilled, smooth, had a strong work ethic. He had everything about him. So he's number two for me. Uh, Sakura is number three for, for me as well. Being on the same line, he was very. He could be very sneaky good on the stat sheet as well too. You know, he definitely had that you know hidden potential, but he definitely contributed a lot to the team makeup. So he can attribute a lot. Pure so, skater um, too. He was a pure yeah, skater. Absolutely. Uh, number four, I sort of went back and forth with this. I, I had to pick a goalie for this one. So I'm going to go uh, back to 2016 on the Hockey's Championship, Brian Ruck. I'm going to put Ruck. Brian Ruck on there. Uh, just, you know, because, you know, he's sort of responsible for, I think, reigniting uh, the popularity of Northeastern hockey. Because I, I remember the uh, 2016, the 2015-2016 year, because I think right after New Year's, I think right after the uh, – Friendship uh, uh, matchup against Colgate, I think it was. That's where their season started to turn around. They went on an absolute tear. And I think Ryan Ruck was sort of the big reason behind that. So I think Ryan Ruck definitely contributed a lot, especially in the Hockey East Championship where they beat uh, UMass Lowell that year, if I remember correctly. So. Yeah, they had to win the Hockey East Tournament to make a run, to make it, obviously, to try to make it to the tournament. They did, which that year ended, sadly, you know, in the tournament. I think they lost to Michigan, was it? But... Oh, I think it was North Dakota. Was it North Dakota? Was it North Dakota? Okay, then the next year I think it was Michigan. Yeah, uh, yeah. But that was that was a good time for Northeast Hockey. That's when the tides really started turning for them, and they were getting a lot more respect. And now we see the program they are now is because of how great they were back then, obviously transitioning from being a team that people counted out to now being the team they are today. So I like that ruck answer. That's great. I like that. that that's a unique four, though, which I like. All right, Mark, what about you? Let's hear it. All right, so I'm going to go with mine now. Uh, I mean, two... Two of the same as yours, Joey. Uh, Adam Gaudet, no question. Of course. Um, and then Devin Levi, I thought, you know, had to make the cut. I mean, it's just unreal. Um, but my next two, I'm going to go with Tyler Madden. I yep. loved him in Northeastern. I love the way he played the game, two-way forward. Uh, everything else, I still remember being there when they won the bean pot. Um, his team there. And I think it was like a third of the three-peat or something like that right before COVID. It um, was, yeah. They won, they and, won that. Yeah, I think and, that was... They went 18, 19, 20. I think that was the third. You're right. Mm-hmm. So I, I, a little biased, but um, that was one of my core Northeastern hockey memories there um, with that team. Yeah, that and was the start, the too. That was the start mm-hmm. of us going to games together for sure, too, yeah. which was nice. And then my my fourth one in the Mount Rushmore, I'm going to go with the Stanley Cup champion. I'm going to go with Josh Manson. Okay, I like it. I like it. See, uh, I thought we were okay. going to go with... Uh, with Jordan Harris, which it's sad I mean, none of us had him on there, but considering... Yeah. I mean, it was tough. It was a toss-up between Tyler Madden and Jordan Harris for me. 
Yeah, uh, but I, I get thought, that. You know, with another defenseman on there and Josh Manson, uh, you know, everything I've seen about him being in Northeastern and whatnot, um, you know, an incredible player, obviously transferred that to the league, uh, helped Colorado win a cup, and, you know, it's just uh, just a great story, and I think he has to be in the Mount Rushmore, at least for me. 100%. I mean, he has a lot of success in the NHL, so that's obviously a big difference maker, which, considering the Northeast has had a lot of talent at the college level, to take the next step, be great at the NHL, NHL level is obviously even harder. So being able to do that, obviously win a cup, I respect that pick there. That's a, that's a good four, though. All of us have a very unique four. We all had some guys that know what we expect. Solid, yeah. You know, Ryan Ruck, obviously, Josh Manson. <laughs> I had Jim Martell, a guy I didn't even know about till the other day when I read about him, and I heard one of the best college hockey uh, offensive players ever. So I said, okay, I have to throw this guy in here just because didn't know much about him, but to have 93 goals in 110 games with 117 assists, 210 points, that's just ridiculous. So I, I do like our unique four there. Which, considering where we could have went with this, you obviously could have included Aiden McDonough. Uh, Talent-wise, we could have included multiple of the guys. Dylan Sakura. Uh, I know we all love Colangelo. Talent-wise, he was definitely up there. Obviously, the stats might not be the same as a guy like uh, you know Kevin Waugh or Gaudette. But uh, Colangelo had the talent to be one of those guys in my eyes. But there's so many ways we could have went about it. You know, which, which I like. I thought that would be a fun activity. So I appreciate you guys uh, doing that. But one thing I want to mention really quick, which now it turns into Northeastern Hockey. We'll talk about music. Obviously, Pete, you obviously have a podcast, uh, which I did promote at the beginning of the episode. I said to everyone to check it out right before I got on with you guys, recorded like my 45 second uh, intro. And I said, check out Pete's podcast. You've been doing it for years. You've been very dedicated. And you had Mark on for an episode. So that's obviously something people have to listen to. People got to go check that out. Mark Walsh music. Live on the podcast with Pete Amara talking about his songs. And obviously, Mark, you have some songs you've been working on. Hopefully, with some music coming out from you soon. Uh, so I want to talk about Pete's podcast for a second, then we'll dive into Mark's music for a second. But, Pete, how's the podcast been going? It's been going great. And uh, actually, uh, on Monday, uh, I'm recording the uh, 10th uh, anniversary of the podcast as well, too. Oh. Yeah, so uh, celebrate, uh, the official date was September 18, 2013, when I launched the podcast. So having a special uh, 10th anniversary episode. So it's basically be a trip down memory lane, all the interviews I've done over the years, uh, some memories, and just, you know, looking back. And then we're also uh, looking ahead as well, too. So it's something that I fell uh, accidentally into when, when I first started the Musebox Pete site back in 2009. And starting the podcast, I was a little bit nervous at first because, you know, I wasn't really comfortable, with, you know, talking for, like, prolonged periods of time. But, you know, I still do it. And, you know, since interviewing bands, it's really taken on a life of its own. You know, interviewing great people like Mark and, and all that, it's really been just an absolute awesome ride. And it's just, you know, it's almost like a roller coaster going straight up. So it's, it's something I just enjoy putting together every week. Absolutely. I love your dedication to it. Ten years. It's hard to do a podcast for a year. I've been doing mine now for about two years. It's hard to find the energy, dedication to get up every single time, get ready to do it, edit it, prepare for it, all that, write up you know, the description. That's hard to do. It does take dedication. So 10 years of it, obviously respect to you and congratulations on 10 years. That's just a, a great achievement. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm happy and I'm proud of you. I'm proud That's of you. Awesome. We, know, we know how much you know dedication you've had to that. I don't know it was 10 years. I would have said about five. So yeah. 10 years makes Good it much. even more special. So congratulations. Absolutely. That's Thanks. awesome. Thanks. Uh, I'm happy for you. And then Mark, your music... Ozzy, you've been working on your music for some time now. Some mm-hmm. new music coming out, hopefully at some point soon. Yep. I'm not going to make you put a date on it, but maybe the next I mean, few months. I can. I know for a fact. I mean, well, there will be new music coming out in less than a month. And then from that point forward, um, I my goal is to release a song a month for the next six at least. And uh, at the pace that uh, Fat Ozzy and I, you know, the 
and the, the crew that we've been working with have been going, I, I honestly think we could try to keep it up for a year and okay. see, uh, you know, a song a month for a year and just see, you know, um, where, where that can take us. And it's been a lot of fun. You know, the last few months we've been really leaning into it since we did that boat concert in the harbor. You were there, Joey. Of course, yeah. Um, and it was a lot of fun. It was a great night. A lot of people came out. We actually sold it out, uh, which was really cool to see. And, uh, you know, since then, just been really, really leaning into it and, uh, and excited to see what comes from it. Yeah, I'm so proud of both of you. Obviously, Mark, you, you've been putting in so much time late at night, especially over the last month or two. It seems about every single night you're in the studio, putting the music, you know, right to work. You obviously have a lot of lyrics and everything you want to get down. Uh, but I think the main thing with you that I love most is you start writing the music, you know, the lyrics, whatever it may be, and then you perfect the craft for, you know, a couple of weeks going, you know, <clears throat> line by line, whatever it may be, beat by beat. Uh, you work with all. So I do respect the grind. So proud of everything Thanks. you're doing. And then the same thing goes for you, Pete. Ten years in your podcast. Both of you guys are doing such big things and two very different things in the music industry, making music, talking music. Both of you guys are doing it at such a high level. So congratulations to both of you guys on that. And Mark, hopefully you have a couple singles out. You get back on the pod with Pete and you talk about them. Oh, I love him. He, he's yeah. always welcome. That would be awesome. Why not? Yeah. Why not? You're real free for sure. So we get a single a month. That's a guarantee. Yep. <laughs> a single yep. a month. Yeah, that's what it's looking like now. I love it. So what? When's the first one? Do you think end of November? We're thinking end of October or? Uh, I want to say early November, probably. Okay. All right. So looking at like a month from now. Okay. I love it. I love yeah, it. All right. Say the date. So I know he wants to say it, but <laughs> he can keep it closer oh. now. Yeah, and uh, some more exciting news, Joey. I know you like to hear this. Your cousin, Fat Hose, will be dropping in a few hours. And so that'll be the start of our run where, uh, you know, him and I, we've been running out of the same the same kind of setup here. Um, you know, the we we kind of operate, you know, through through his room with, like, the studio setup and whatnot. And, um, yeah, I guess uh, so it all kind of starts tonight. Yeah, Poor One is his new single coming out at midnight. We'll definitely be promoting that on our Instagram stories. So you'll definitely see yep. it. And the main thing I love, Mark, about your music, like I was saying, you put in some effort, obviously, with the lyrics and everything, whatever the beat, whatever it may be, and then you perfect it for so long just to make sure it's perfect. And that's one thing I feel like that's hardest is going back in and saying, do I like this part? Do I not like it? Should I move this way? Should I go that way? Should I stay with this? Should I not stay with this? Like, that's one of the hardest things, I think, because I think at the end of the day, we always want to be better than, you know, whatever it may be. We always want to be doing better and, and changing things to make it perfect. One thing with you is, I think your music's great when it's even the first time, and you're just like, yeah, dude, I, there's a lot of work on this that has to be done, but I, I think it sounds good. And I listen to it, I'm like, dude, I think this is ready to go now. Like, that's the thing. You know what I mean? I think you could put out more music just right off the right off the rip and just throw it out there, but... I'm excited to hear your music coming out through the next month. And obviously with you, Pete, excited to see you continue to do big things with the podcast. And hopefully one day soon we'll have you back on the podcast, Mark, with Pete. And you'll be talking about the new songs and promoting them. That would obviously be something special. Yeah. Oh, can't wait. It'll be awesome. Can't wait. All right. So I don't want to take up too much more of you guys' time. But thank you guys so much for taking the time. This was truly a pleasure having you guys on here to talk about these hockey. Something we're all very passionate about. And then we're able to talk about music, two things that you guys are very passionate about. So making music and then obviously talking music so two things you guys love and then i don't make any music but i love listening so th that's where i come into play and how i contribute so thank you guys so much for taking the time though truly does mean a ton you guys are the best thank you it's always a pleasure thank you so much. this is a lot of fun absolutely we'll do it again soon hopefully like the next month after the first month of the season we'll break down how the first month went and maybe some things we're looking forward to for the rest of the season yeah absolutely all right Perfect. much appreciated boys take it easy have a great rest of your night and i'll see you guys soon all right, take care. Go Huskies. Bye-bye. Yeah. So there you have it. There was the legend Mark Walsh. 
with Music Box Pete, the Northeastern Hockey Superfan. As Mark mentioned, Fat Hosey has a song coming out at midnight called Poor One. It's a single that'll be out everywhere, Spotify, Apple Music, at midnight. So make sure to check that out at midnight tonight. Check it out tomorrow morning whenever you get the time. It's a great song. I've heard it now for about a month before he put it out. He's been perfecting it, and now it's ready to go. So I'm sure you guys will like it. And then as for Music Box Pete, go check out his podcast, The Best in the Business, someone that's so dedicated, 10 years of work. I, As I mentioned, I've been doing my podcast now for almost two years and finding the dedication the time to go back and edit prepare for every episode obviously record every episode it takes a couple hours you prepare for about an hour for every episode maybe two hours depending on what you're talking about the nfl recaps i do they usually take about an hour and a half to get all the notes and everything together that i want to talk about then you record for an hour and then it takes about an hour or so to go back listen make sure everything sounds right and then throw it up on spotify so it's a lot of time and dedication that i put into my podcast and that's only been just about two years Music Box Pete has been putting out his podcast for 10 years now. Just think about 10 years of dedication. So do me a favor and go check out his Spotify. I'm going to put the link in the description here. And the same goes for the link to Mark Walsh's music on Spotify. Anyways, that will conclude this episode. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And thank you so much to Mark and Pete for taking the time to come on here. Truly a pleasure being able to talk Northeastern hockey with you guys. Something that we're so passionate about. And then also talk about music. Something that both of them are very passionate about as well. So much appreciated you guys taking the time and I appreciate all the support they've given me over the years, whether it's for my podcast or my radio show, those two guys have always been there to come on as a guest and talk Northeastern hockey, talk sports in general. So thank you guys always for that as well and the consistent support. Anyways, I will conclude this episode. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it. I hope you guys have a good one and I will see you guys in the next episode. Thank you.